Campaign Types and Styles, Part 1. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asaf. Today, we're going to talk about where DMs might get their stories. So I am an absolute font of ideas, to my detriment. I have too many ideas that I can't actually focus on one long enough to turn it into anything good. But there are people who have the opposite problem, where ideas are like precious gems and they need to beg, borrow, and steal wherever they can. So this is a shout out to anybody who is asking for ideas and is asking for ways to entertain their players. So there are ways to build a story for your campaign. We spoke about types of storytelling. We spoke about what you need to prep. And this is going to focus on where you can get your story from and maybe how much processing is fine. If you don't have a lot of confidence in your ideas, Storebot is fine or Internet Scrounged is fine. My campaign, my homebrew campaign, I'm throwing up the air quotes here because it's it starts off with the Siege of Castle Ran by Matt Colville. And it's just a starting point. And then the adventure becomes what the players make it. And you can kind of do that with any adventure. You can start any adventure with whatever the opening adventure is and then kind of let it blossom into the game that you want your players to create. Right. You can either start from complete scratch and then supplement with pre-bought modules or you can start with pre-bought modules and then branch out into something completely organic i think it's good to think about it in a couple different ways where you have the campaign story and then you got the adventure story because an adventure is kind of a different thing than a campaign an adventure is a couple of sessions maybe a level or two while the campaign is the major story you're telling for these characters from level wherever to a level wherever. So for movie fans, what you're saying is that the campaign is the MCU from Iron Man up until the end of Endgame where they dealt with the Infinity Stones. And the adventures are each individual movie where Iron Man gets his armor and Thor fights his brother again and again and again. Yeah, that's yes. a really good example, actually. Yeah, yeah. that's a perfect way of, of laying it out in different. I like that. Yeah. So where I was going with that is when prepping a campaign, you can go the buying a pre-module because there's existing campaigns where you're going from level one to level 17 or 20 or whatever and they go through all of it mm -hmm. and then you have the exact opposite of that where you're homebrewing everything it might be in an established setting but you're coming up with the antagonist the story the protagonists the locations who, the locations you're coming up with everything from scratch that all of these parts are going to happen and those two different ways of handling a campaign are both functionally equivalent but the process is very different and they're both the players love them. okay so there's a lot of pre-written modules out there that take you from one to five and handle the earlier levels and then from there you can if you don't know where to go that's where you start homebrewing or you ask your players what do they want to do and you can work together with your players to determine what the next parts of the story are. Or there are plenty of resources out there that you can pull from to, to add on to your adventure. I've brought this up before, but D&D &D Beyond 
as encounters of the week. They stopped writing them, but there are still lots of them up there that you can drop into any campaign. If you need something to do real quick for a one shot or something, check out D&D Beyond's Encounters of the Week. And so I wanted to take some time to talk about pre-bought modules. I think of these as the most common thing for DMs to buy storytelling-wise, because they are generally a self-contained, again, adventure that the players can wander into, they can explore, they can interact with. There is a story arc, and then they accomplish it and leave. I love pre-bought modules. I know some people hate them, some people love them. I think they're great because it's an adventure in a book, and you can open it and you can start running it with very little preparation. Mm -hmm. And if you have the time to prep it more, it's a good jumping point for for inspiration to to really add more to the story. Yeah, it's a good place to start if you've never damned before, because as Joey said, it covers a lot of the things that you may not even think about beforehand. All of the stuff is there, the monster stats, the NPC stats, the, the stuff that go into that. And it's a single book. You can flip through it, read through it, read ahead. You know where the story is going to go. You can kind of seed things in. And as you develop skill, you can edit it heavily but or add stuff in. But if you have very little skill DMing, it's very useful to begin. Yeah, you can run it as is and you likely won't have a full party wipe. Right. Yeah. So what are some little tweaks or what are some impactful tweaks that beginner DMs can do to a pre-bought module that would make it customized for their table and make it a little stickier? I like to take the existing NPCs in a book and change them or try to work them into the player's background stories or try to create threads that pull the characters more into the story and make them their characters more involved in what's going on. I played with one DM where what he would do is anytime he would run with the same players, this is kind of he's had experience with these players before, he would take their characters from a previous campaign and then make them the evil NPCs of the new campaign. And the players wouldn't know this until they're coming along and he describes this guy coming in and ruining their day. And it's like, that was my character. Oh, no, I shouldn't have been such a jerk. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, if this is the first time you're sitting with a group of players and it's a new table and, you know, you, you don't have any of that to work with. But it is something that as you're playing with people and it could be like maybe it's your first time DMing, but these are players that you were a player with. Mm-hmm. You can still kind of do that idea a little bit. That's one of my favorite things to do. And when I do that, I let the player of that character play that character against the party and i just get to sit back and watch and it's so much fun nice nice i think of pre-bought modules by and large have passed through a gatekeeper so there's like a seal of quality you buy a wizards of the coast module and you know it's been through an editor uh, someone who's play tested it all of that stuff kind of the wild west of published material lives in the homebrew realm do you use homebrew modules fan fiction of the D world i don't use other people's homebrew because as you said some of it's never been play tested it's all like thought experiment so it can really make managing it difficult well i mean it depends where you're to- what kind of homebrew you're talking about because i mean anything technically anything that's not wizards of the coast is homebrew right, right? so 
I've used stuff from the DMs Guild before. I really love using the Encounters of the Week from D&D Beyond. It's not official D&D content, but it's... It, it passes through a publisher process, right? Not quite as Stringent. much as... Well, DMs Guild, not really, but yeah, D&D... No, not Be- DMs Guild at all, really. Yeah, D&D Beyond, someone reads something and says yes to it. So it's yeah. kind of got that going. Right. But I mean, the, the people that write on D&D Beyond are... Staff veterans. writers. Yeah. They've been vetted as part of the contracting or hiring process. Well, I mean, the guy who wrote all of the Encounters of the Week on D&D beyond is also the guy who wrote the adventure in strongholds and followers from at colville he also i'm pretty sure wrote or had a part in Teldorai campaign guide Teldorai reborn and also the new DD adventure call of the nether deep so what type of quality approval process indicator would you use to decide whether or not you were going to run something from dm's guild I would look it over and see if it fit for what I was trying to run. I would look at it more like an idea and completely, if I needed to change the monsters, the power level, the damage, anything, I fully confident myself in being able to make those tweaks. So essentially, if you don't really have your feet under you as a DM and can't act as your own judge of quality, maybe steer clear a little bit of homebrew. Oh, yeah. Probably. Uh, I mean, yeah, depending on where you're getting it from. Like I said, D&D Beyond is going to be good if you're doing those encounters of the week. Are there any other sources? There's major publishers and there's minor publishers, but if it's a published adventure, so there's, I found one, it's Adventure of the Week. It's a website. They, they publish adventures that can be used. They're a company that is producing. It's not just some guy in, in a basement writing and stuff. <laughs> or at least I don't think it is. Right. I have no idea. might be. It, it might, might be. be a company run by a guy in his basement publishing stuff. Yeah. A published adventure, something like that, from a company that is not using someone else's platform. They're putting money into it. Mm-hmm. That shows that they probably have spent a little bit more time making sure that it's stuff that could be of a good quality. Right. Something on DMs Guild, you can post something up there without putting a penny into it. You can get Adventures League written adventures on DMs Guild, though, and some of them are free. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk Adventures League in a little bit, but... Yeah. You know, you'd have to kind of consider the publisher. If the publisher is like Mark from St. Louis, then you're looking at it and be like, maybe not Mark. (laughs) But if if it's company like Arcane Library or something like that, then... It might be something that you can look at it and say, this probably works. And anytime you're using anything that isn't pre-bought module or something like that, it's okay to tell your players, I'm not sure if this is going to work. We will react if it doesn't. That can go with player options too. If a player comes to you and say, I want to play this really neat class that I found on DMs Guild, it might be okay to say yes, but tell them if we find that something's not working we might change it. yeah because i know that i've run a campaign where when it comes to player classes i've said it has to be officially published in a you know a glossy book wizards of the coast yeah and that makes it a lot easier as the dm to react to it right than it is something where they just came out of nowhere right so say you're going to build your campaign from a series of adventures what would that look like to you in terms of making them coherent if you're gonna do that it's probably a good idea to reskin or modify the major points so npcs locales stuff like that so that way they can flow from one to the other you can take them as is but in a lot of the published adventures they might have lore or 
NPCs or settings that are completely unique to them. And if you just take them as is, then the players are going to have a hard time connecting them. Right. Reskin the monsters, reskin the dialogue, the NPCs that are involved, but keep the hazards and the danger level there. I mean, you could use the same stat blocks, just make them slightly different if you need to. Right. For example, you could probably get away with setting adventures, urban adventures, in different districts of a large enough city, as long as you kept it skinned appropriately. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't take, like, an adventure done in the Underdark and the very next one in the Elemental Plane of Fire and then the very next one in the city of Neverwinter and just be like, this is all happening one right after the other. Right. That, like, that right there could, it definitely suspends the character's belief of, like, this is not happening naturally and telling a story. Mm-hmm. You have to be a little picky on what adventures you're doing and making sure you're trying to, to have them connect if you communicate with your players and they say we want to stay in the city and we want to explore the city then just kind of search for urban adventures and maybe neverwinter is a city right yeah and other other cities you can just kind of reskin and transport them into different districts there are some really good resources out there for city adventures you got uh, Waterdeep dragon heist you've got baldur's gate Descent into Avernus. There is another one. It is by uh, the DMs Guild, but it is a Wizards of the Coast writer who wrote it. Right. I can't think of the name. One thing that was really useful, I don't know if it's still active, but Matt Colville actually created a website called Adventure Lookup. You can't buy adventures from there, but you can put in, I want it to be in a forest of this level with this NPC, and it gives you a list of adventures that fit that, and it tells you where to get them. Okay. So it links to, it'll say you can get this from DMs Guild, or you can get this from this website. And it was a community project where where he had the idea for it, and he found programmers, and he found data inputter. What was the word for that? Data entry specialists. Data entry specialists. And he put all those together to make it happen, to create this concept that he wanted of just, like, finding adventures that fit what you need it to. So I haven't looked at that website in a year, but it was active then, and you can go through and and find and it was pretty user friendly. All right. If uh, we find it, it will go into the liner notes. If not, we'll make a note. I wanted to talk briefly about Adventures League because Adventures League is like DM planning on autopilot. What is that like as an experience? Well, I've never DM'd Adventures League. I have seen Adventures League adventures. I have a whole bunch of Adventures League adventures on my computer. They gave them away for free on the Wizards of the Coast website uh, sure. back at the start of COVID. Right. Yeah. So they are quality. And they are reskinnable. So Adventures League, what it is, is a series of adventures that are short and designed to play like one right after the other. And they're also designed to happen next to a published campaign. So they had an Adventures League season at the same time as they published Rise of Tiamat. And, and all of that. And they kind of mirrored each other. They told other sides of the same story that when you got to the end, it ended in the same place. It crossed back. Yeah, that's what it is. And how you use it is, that, you know, you can get access to these adventures and they're short campaigns. They're designed to be DM'd in four hours in a single, you know, and that, that tells 
one mini story and it has all of it. It has the NPCs, the setting, the monsters, like what possible hooks and the rewards and what the like a tie in to the next adventure. Right. And some of them have maps. Yeah, they have the, the relevant maps. Sure. It's like buying a pre-bought module. So everything is done in bite-sized chunks. It's written by uh, DMs Guild Adepts. Yeah. Right. It, is there any level requirement or any restrictions? They always start at level one. They do it in seasons, so like a season four or whatever. The very beginning of it starts at level one, and the very end of it goes through all of it that you're supposed to reach. I think it's like level 15 or something like that by the end. And they're done in tiers. So that way, like the first handful of adventures are all level one through four, and then five through 10, or maybe it's five through eight or something like that, five through nine. And if you're actually running an Adventures League thing, there's a whole lot of rules to how it can run and where you can run it. But if you get your hands on the Adventures, then obviously you can retool it however you want. Right. It can be very useful. It's like the the series of Adventures or the pre-built module that they handle all the work for you. All right. That was one mystery demystified. Woo! Ba-ba-ba-ba! <laughs> <laughs> This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com. Just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle, at Pickled Wizards, or ask on Facebook, at Pickled Wizards. Same page. We might talk about your problem here.